I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fly 008081, ready for takeoff. You listen to now the Out of Home Podcast. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Are you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. <laughs> what are we saying? What are we saying, boys and Same. girls? Girl. Yeah, if you might want to move your arm from. No, I'm good, man. The right. task is here blessing me still. Yeah. That's calm, man. Wait, wait. Why might something fall on your head? Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's only right, isn't it? It's only right that the person who can introduce where we are the most is handed the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in our film history, you're about to hear the voice of my girlfriend. <laughs> what, what a nice introduction, right? Just your girlfriend. No, but um, we're now in the workshop of my dad, Abu Kanu. He's a lovely man um, who immigrated from Sierra Leone uh, in 1988. And we're currently in his workshop, uh, which he had over a few years with a lot of his beautiful um, Sierra Leonean-inspired paintings and masks and statues, you call it, I think, Mm -hmm. made out of recycled materials, mainly um, wood. And yeah, I think this is a lovely vibe for the subject of the day. Thank you for that. That was excellent. What a debut. I think we need a round of applause. Yes, we do. That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> we have ourselves, my, myself, Kwame, Stephen, Yaf, obviously. Kieran is not with us, but he is he's always here in, in spirit. So we'll, we'll catch up with him next week. And we are joined by another guest, not only the lovely Abi Batu, but also we have Kimo. Camera, is it camera or camera? Yes. Camera from Omec. Ladies and gentlemen, we should round of applause as well for that. How are you, Kimo? Yeah. I'm so happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have Thank, you. It's funny because I've been like watching you guys on the other side now, like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. So <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel? It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I feel like I made it, man. For our viewers, like chemo's come dripped out. You will see that later on in the visuals. <laughs> and uh, this is the first time you've been face to face since the Omic live session. Yeah, facts. I remember the comment you made about Jollof Rice, chemo, and uh, it's great to be able to <laughs> address this. <in> <laughs> 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 Like Eminem, I've been patiently waiting. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. But as you might have guessed, you are now listening to the Out of Home podcast for Londoners who met in Amsterdam, sharing dope stories of our, of ourselves and also inspiring stories of others. And yeah, this is it. And today we're going to talk about a subject near and dear to our hearts. Stephen, 
Have you you're on fire today? Have you fire? You're on fire today, fam. You're actually on fire, bro. Obviously, obviously like Keith's not here. So, 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 Stephen, what is the main theme of, of today's special episode? Well, on the 25th of May, um, by the time this episode comes out, it would have passed, but it will be Africa Day. And it is a day where you kind of celebrate the continent, celebrate the journey and the history of the continent. And it's actually something not um, widely known or widely celebrated until like recently. But I think it kind of started with a few nations who were kind of celebrating uh, independence originally. And it's just become bigger and bigger in the continent. And then outside of the continent, people are starting to uh, pick up on it and uh, recognize it. And obviously with 50% of out home being African, it was only right. It was only I think right. Kimo's going to um, disagree with that because we. Ha- I remember we had a conversation about the diaspora and what that means. We're definitely going to get into that. Yeah, exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. Coming to pieces. You made a contentious yeah, no, I think to, to add to that, I think the AU um, African Union also picked it up and then kind of officialized yeah, the, 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 the day. Um, but it's funny because they're actually having put up a lot of effort into celebrating it. Mm. I'm actually on the panel oh, for go. the AU on nice. the 25th. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, they're doing an event and organizing. I'll be part of leading one of the panel. But yeah, I think I think it is our responsibility as bicultural um, of African descent to actually take on this day and make it ours. Thanks. Yeah. And then it's going to happen. Um, oh, sure. The next three years, we have like huge, huge globalizing this day and mm-hmm. owning it. So we got big plan for it. You mentioned some very interesting bicultural. We're definitely, definitely going to touch on that and get into it. Before we do, normally we have this segment called... You're on fire, big man. You're on fire. <laughs> normally, um, Kim, I'm sure you know, we have this segment called What Made You Smile This Week. We're going to switch up a little bit in spite of, uh, you know, Africa Day. And we're going to... We're going to ask each other what makes us smile about Africa. So I don't know if anyone wants to volunteer to go first or I can, I can yeah, nominate yeah, someone. I'll go first. Jeez. Trigger Jeez. fingers always ready. <laughs> yeah, always, always, always ready. Subject, always ready. Uh, I think in Africa in general, like what makes me smile is definitely uh, the people, first of all. I think um, there's a lot of like genuine love when you go to Africa. I think like, you know the saying about uh, be your brother's keeper. There's definitely that kind of... Um, vibe when you go that everybody is really an auntie or an uncle this this it doesn't really matter where you're from if you're from that particular place or not people have like a genuine uh looking out for your welfare and you know when they go and greet you in the morning it's like a genuine thing it's not just like a routine it's like genuinely happy to mm. see you and it's just like a warmth and mm. wherever you go i think i've been to like south africa i've been to egypt i've been to a couple of places and it's a similar feeling across the continent and you just feel like embraced like you just uh, with your people and then the other thing is the music is just mm-hmm. like wonderful like it's just music that just makes you want to you can't be in a bad mood when you listen yep. to the music and like mm. Especially when you go to like church, you have like all the like grandmas, they're the ones getting down low as well. Like it's just like ingrained in everybody's like, um, like you can't be there and not, not dance. Like you mm. can't, like someone will get onto you and it's just an expression of like joy. But you know, there is a lot of pain as well, but like, um, true, there's also moments of joy. So I think it's just that balance between the two. So I'm gonna throw it over to Kimo. 
Yeah, I, I actually, I was going to say the African Union um, Day and, and all that stuff, um, the, the, the 25th, but actually it will be today. This is like really fresh. Um, Abby came in, it's like, I just came out of the, you know, like the plan. I'm like, whoa, give me a hug. Like, so I just got like some, you know, freshness from the continent. So that made me, that made me happy. Like it literally made me happy. Um, and so I think that that's the part of the smile. And then we, we, we got into the studio here that make the, the Abbey hog look like nothing. Um, like literally I feel like so home in the studio here, like the beauty of what is happening um, here, the story of it, like the quality of the art, but like, because I'm such a passionate about the bicultural identity, we can talk about that. And then, so this is such a representation nice. of what that means. And so everything that I see here, I connect to, mm. you know, this painting, and it just brings me back home. I look at this. I'm like, it just takes me back home. What, 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 for everyone listening, what, so what this, are you uh, holding? This is called the cola. And so I think um, there's a story where Coca-Cola comes from here. Mm. So it's like, it's like a nut, is, is that correct? It's, it's a nut. Okay. Okay, okay. And, and so is, this is the connection, the social connection here in Africa. Okay. So like if you do a wedding, you put this together and you go. And if you want to ask the hand um, of the wife, so this is part of it. Good to know. And so like everything, <laughs> every social stuff, you take this with you I mean, in the West Africa, right? You take this with you. This is part of it. It's like a social fabric. And so you come here, you see this, like it takes me it's back. It's a trigger, yeah. Yeah, it triggers that. And then the painting and then saying like all this art, the wood, the, the materials coming from the neighborhood here. So how do you connect? Like I'm here, I'm part of the fabric of this society here, but I'm like adding my Africanness to it. It's just like just such a represent. So it makes me happy. So that's my. Year. I love that man. Yep. Okay. You didn't think I would like just. No go, no no no, go. no no no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kwams, what about you, my? I was gonna say um, I don't wanna be vague. I could say a culture, but I'll just say food. Like one thing I love about Africa, like food. I, I know like me and Stephen get into it about like jollof rice and like, go to Nigeria, but even even Abby was saying from Sierra Leone it's better. And, and I I I I I I even used to still saying chemo that in a. In Guinea, that there's a certain way that it's prepared as well, but just like in terms of like um, the culture that we have of our food, the taste, how it's made with love. You really like your food. We went to World of Food today, and the portions man was slapping up. It was huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's huge. Uncle came through. Uncle came through. No, but just like and you know like and how 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 so many of our of 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 our, of our meals require us to eat with our hand, and to me sometimes that signifies a deeper connection. Do you understand? Like I've had it before when I used to when I used to be bougie back in London, and I actually used to have like what do you call it like fufu with a spoon and so you used to be yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like it, I, could, I could taste the metal it just felt wrong when you taste like yes. and you have the soup in that oh it's amazing but um yeah and, and like i'll be honest with you i remember um, i had a lot of nigerian friends in school and i'd always hear about pounded yam pounded yam i'm like okay whatever then one time in church so, so, uh, an, an auntie 
mustard served pound and yam with what do you call it a goosey stew my goodness I was like these Nigerians were not gassing bro this is, <laughs> this is amazing food bring me more auntie Felicia whatever her name was but, uh, uh, but no yeah so I I'll I, um, I, I just say the food and what I love like through, through world of food and other even restaurants here and I'm saying we have like Ethiopian restaurants people can get a window of our culture through some of our great and vast um, dishes so that's what I would say and um, Yaf you know I'm going to ask you, my brother. Yeah, man. Well, my, my connection to Africa is interesting because obviously yeah. growing up in London, you have Nigeria, Ghana, like the two predominant ones. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like, I don't know, it could be Guinea, it could be Sierra Leone, it could be Tanzania. North Africa, yeah. Egyptian, Tunisia, mm-hmm. wherever. <clears throat> so my connection to Africa has always been like from my friends and the people that I grew up with. But then as the culture sorted to mature, then you have like more of the influence of the music. Mm. You see things on Instagram and stuff like that. But then obviously now having a girlfriend who's you know, half African, you really get to see and meet, like for example, her dad, right? Mm. And like understand their stories and, and really connect with them. So for me, the thing that I love the most about Africa as a continent, because obviously there's mm. different countries, but you know, to summarize, I would say just... Uh, creativity and the expressiveness mm, mm, of literally everyone from that continent yeah, bro. like whether it's the food whether it's the clothes whether it's the art the music it's all just so like upbeat it's so positive it just makes you feel nice mm, you know mm, and there's so much there's so much to celebrate about the culture there i think like i can't wait to go but like even when abby was in sierra leone and she was sending me some stuff it was just like Everything there is so interesting and has a story behind it. There's a lot of rich details there, isn't it? So yeah, much, yeah, yeah. But it's it's just like it's just normal. Yeah, to them. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, normal, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this is calm. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this, this is what it is. Um, I remember doing some research on Nigeria when we worked on the kit collections, and um, it was just so sick to find out and hear everything about the culture, mm-hmm. like the the new music scenes coming up, all of that. So. Yeah, man, I think the creativity and like just the the vibrancy of the continent is what makes me smile. I'm going to hand over to Abby. Who has just returned from a flight earlier today oh, from Fresh Inside. Where, where, did, where did you go, please, sister? Very fresh. Uh, I went to Sierra Leone. Okay, nice. And um, I visited family in Freetown, the capital. Mm. But where our house is, is basically, how do you call it, the mainland. Mm-hmm. So it's just very quiet, calm, basically a village. Um and I think what really makes me smile, even if I'm just thinking back to this trip, but also previous trip, is just the energy energy that it gives you. Mm-hmm. And I believe you can get energy everywhere from different things. When you're in nature, you get energy. When you're around people who are at peace, you get energy. But also what you are touching, the food, because um, like I'm obsessed with food. I love food and not just eating the food, but just stories, just exploring food, how it's made. And I feel like if you make food with love, it tastes different mm. than when you make food frustrated or angry or it's just, let's make money here. Yeah, get, yeah, you yeah. eat some food. I, you just notice like, nah, this, this hits different. And there mm. is like the fish is being caught with care, mostly not machines by hand, nets, then after that, it's being sold, made made nicer, you know, mm. so people will sell it with their hands. Then it's going to be prepared with care and, and time. 
Then it's going to be baked. It's going to be seasoned. It's just so much love and time goes into it. So when mm. you eat it, it just... I feel like you're just eating the love and the mm. energy. So I thought it was nice that you said, like, I look at peace. It seems like I'm at peace. Mm. Because I really feel like that, like, just the nature waking up, smelling the... There's just this uh, distinctive smell yeah. <laughs> of West Africa. We and I also it. smell the same smell in Ghana. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like the yeah, area, we'll but it, it's yeah. like the smell of burned wood yeah, mixed with yeah. sand and a far smell of food and just sun. Mm. You smell sun. What does sand smell like? <laughs> just go there. Get out of the, the plane and you'll be hit by yeah. a smell. A whiff as soon as you land. Right? We're, yeah. we're literally talking about that um, on the car here and just like the suitcases, you know those suitcases? They smell They're like a Ziploc. Like it's like a Ziploc. Yeah. Like, so just, just open the thing. It's just no like joke. I don't know how. I don't know what kind of potencies in the air, but the suitcases. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's a distinct smell. Like, yeah. like when is it? To your point, when you step out the plane, it just hits you. Just like home. Exactly. You could be blindfolded and know where you are. Like it's, like, yeah. it's just that. It's like, oh yeah. All right. Cool. I really wonder if East Africa smells the same. Maybe or, or maybe it has a different kind of scent. Yeah, yeah we, we, I guess we can. East different Africans variation. listening in, um, please, let, please let us know what you smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Home smell. It's yeah. Home smell. So that really made me smile and still makes me smile. So I'm here energized. I'm going to keep the energy up these months. And if I feel it's going down... Right back. I'm sorry, but I need to go. <laughs> go back. Go back. No, yeah. nice, nice, nice. And um, yeah, I think it's only right. You know, we've all shared um, our stories, and um, and, and Kimo, as you are our guest, and we know you, and like I said, we've known you for quite a while, but it's interesting because the first time we've met. Yeah. But um, you just like to give like a, a, sh- a short story of who you are, um, and what you represent, and there might have been sprinkling before, but also about like um the 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 team and the family that you organization that you built with Omec as well. Would you like to touch on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, <laughs> it's like it's it's hard to ask an entrepreneur to talk about like hey. you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like their, their baby. Um, and at, on top of that, my passion about yeah. this in this space. But let's see here if I can give a quick overview. Um. Yeah, I'm Kimo Kamara. Um, was born in Guinea, West Africa. Um, yeah, half of my life was spent there. At one point, when I got to the university, I um, before even I got to the university, I don't know. Like now, when I think about it, it's just like seem really weird because when I was like really, really young, I knew there was something that was not right about like IMF and then all this World Bank coming in there. It's like, oh, we're giving this country like so much money. And then it's like, I just knew like there was something. I don't, I can't tell why. And then like I, I, I was in, in peace while like the way the governing system, I stopped watching TV and I became obsessed about like going, you know, like in the United States and learn everything about capitalist system mm-hmm. and then come in and be at the same table like these people and be like, Yo, I went to the same school like you did. I went to, I work in the big company like you did. Mm-hmm. And then you come in now, like, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And so that was my linear thinking. And so when I got to the university, I really realized, like, yeah, I can't, I, I have to go. So I was lucky, went to the state with that mindset, uh, work at this, you know, when did my education there, university, working company, like a bank, and then all that stuff. Um, but, 
as I was doing that, I was always involved in the community. I just couldn't help myself, and I still can't help myself. Um, and then that stemmed from my uh, the way I was raised. So I come from a family of nine siblings. But where I grew up, like my dad was like the guy who left the village, like where everybody's like, all right, we're going to send you. And so they sent him and then he became like the one that made it. Mm -hmm. And so he just raised the whole village, like literally raised the whole village. Like he has nine kids on his own, but the compound, like where we grew up, that I've never, still to this day, there's never been a one time where there's only nine people living there. It's been like anywhere from 20 to 50, wow. 60 people living there at one time. So when he left, all his you know, like brothers and sisters on, and just they all send their kid to him. And so we grew up like this zoo of like <laughs> people. Yeah. And on top of that, we go to school. I had personally two friends who moved there, like, because there's so many people, my mom and dad wouldn't even know. And so they just move in there and they would like sleep over. And then two years later, they still live there. Kimo, just on that one, because we glossed over it, but actually a lot of people listening, like um, nine siblings, that is quite common or not, maybe not nine, but it's common in Africa to have like big and large families. Like, do you want to speak on that? Because as you're talking, like no one even bad an eyelid in the room because like, mm. We know, but I know we're gonna have a lot of listeners about raw nine. But like, um, yeah, I knew you were talking about it uh, off air a little bit. But like, do you just gonna give a background to like why that's also uh, a part of African culture? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because like we get it, <laughs> which yeah. is like move like nine is like a normal number. Um, yeah, yeah, I think in the African culture, like having kids is a part of a normal. I mean, it stems from like. Back in the days, people was like, you know, working agriculture was the thing. Mm. And so if it's in the village, having more kids allow you, give you more labor, you know, like uh, people to do the labor. So if you want to go in the village, you have your farming. And so you, having more kids became, you know, like economically makes sense. And then socially, it's like making sense. As a man, you need to have more kids. Mm-hmm. And so that became part of the fabric. And so even if like, even though it passed that point and then that's like, you know, people, my dad grew up in the government, you know, it's, wor- it's working, but like having more kids was just a natural because it became this part of the fabric. So you see, I mean, literally people having like 10 plus kids. And it's so interesting when you say that it started off initially from a need for labor and then just the way it manifests itself today. So in a very like modernized way, it's like when your mom tells you, ah, there's dishes in the sink. Are you not washing? That is, that is just the expect, expectation that if you being like a just a younger in the house, like you need to be doing something. You need to be productive. Like you cannot be like a you know couldn't be an African child and not and be lazy. It's just not an option. Like I used to argue all the time. My dad used to call me lazy. I said no, I'm just being efficient. I'll look for like the <laughs> quickest route to do stuff. But it just wasn't possible. You can't just lie there. So like when you were talking about uh, the labour, just clicked into my head. Like why? Because I think it being a diaspora and growing up there, you kind of just wonder, like, why they ask me to pass the remote? It's just there. But it's like, yeah. for them, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, so there's this thing that I call the human technology. <laughs> yeah. And so I grew up in this, like, imagine this compound, right? I just mm-hmm. want to pick up on your point because it's extremely important. 
I grew up in this compound where my dad has nine kids, and those nine kids actually never. I think the maximum we had that at one point would be like five, six. Mm-hmm. But like everybody, the, all these kids are like the kid from from his, you know, brothers and cousin and long, long chain. And but they all we all see each other family. There's no we yeah. it, we don't have the term cousin. Yes, it's a brother. It's yeah, older yeah, than yeah. you. It's brother. Yeah, yeah. So like we call each other that way. But in that compound, for my dad to the 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 kid or two year old, everybody knows their place. Mm. You respect the aunties. Mm-hmm. Aunties respect you. Mm-hmm. You respect your dad. You respect your big brother. And so that hierarchy, you part of this ecosystem mm-hmm. where you do your part. Mm-hmm. You have no other choice. And your focus, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. Collective. And so collective, everybody else is watching out for you. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in that system where I know at any time, when I go outside, I have like 40 people there watching out for me. Mm-hmm. And so no one can mess with me mm-hmm. because these advocates, I have big brothers, big sisters who are like really known in the community, but like no one will mess with me. Kima rolling deep. Love it. No, like seriously, <laughs> like, so I, I took that for granted. And now that I'm thinking about it, that was, yeah. so that's a human technology yeah that we had in the African culture naturally given to her that we haven't been paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for me, like, actually, we get to the Omec part. That's what I've been realizing the past three years, and I'm like, this is the key forward. And that's what I'm trying to, like, learn as much about it and then bring that into today. But, yeah, it, I look at my kid, I'm like, I make a joke. I'm like, this is a dictatorship in my house here. <laughs> Yo, I'm not going to tell you to do something. You'd be like, Pop, why? Oh, no. <laughs> no, man, know your place. You're part of the ecosystem, man. So, yes, yeah, so that's extremely important. So, yeah, that's something we need to bring it back because African kids who are born here is such an individualistic system. Here, yes. and then you are taught to be independent. You need to be able to stand up to your parents and then t- tell them whatever you want and disagree with them and argue with them. And that makes you independent. And where I grew up, man, listen, you don't even do that to your big brother. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's true. You don't, like, but, I've never argued with my parents. But, okay, I'm not saying I'll ever argue with my parents, but especially now that I'm older, yeah, I'll definitely question them. So are you saying that that shouldn't happen? So I'm saying the way I was raised, absolutely not. For me, it's a two layers, right? From the Islamic perspective, you never quite, like, not question them, but like in the disrespecting way. You know what I'm saying? You can question what they're doing. You can see like you have a different thinking, but you can approach it the most respectful way possible without them even, you know what I'm saying? Um. So there's that, but like you never ever disrespect, disrespect yeah. ever, ever, ever. Um, yeah, but like my brothers, like yeah, that's uh, you see, there's a that hierarchy. You don't disrespect your brothers, mm-hmm. otherwise your parents will put you down and they'll slap you, they'll wipe your butt. Like 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 yeah, that happens <laughs> a lot. That that yeah, and so I'll talk about that here. People will be like, oh no, that's a child abuse. I'm like, wait, what? It's the most, like, yeah, I can go on this, like, no, don't even open that door. Well, I think like, it's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot there, though. It's a lot there. And then there's, there's culture that was passed to us. 
I'll just give you a quick example. I was just, and then we can move on, or maybe you can ask more questions. I was um, in the US, I was like advocating about for this a lot. And over there, when, when you talk about beating your kid and then like correcting them, punishing them like this, that's this huge because they see the land with the lens where they grew up in and that society. You can't do that here, right? Uh, because the environment is not conducive for it. It's not a culture. So you, mm-hmm. it's harder to do that mm-hmm. here. But back home, we all understand when I mm-hmm. do something wrong, my mom would be like, get home at 7 p.m. by the time, you know, the sun goes down. So go do everything, play soccer, everything. But before the sun goes down, stop, be home. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll be playing soccer. You'll be playing against this team. You can't leave. Yeah, you just you know, can't. You just, just can't. can't. Yeah, and but you game, know, you know what's going to happen. You know the consequences of your yeah. actions. So you yeah. come home. But before you come home, it's you get funny. the branches. Yeah. And the punishment, you come and it's like, mommy, this is it. And then it just happened. Oh, my so, that direct debit. <laughs> so you know there's a consequences for your action. Yeah. And so that's teaching you. Yeah. But like yeah. they're never beating me because I, I, I didn't do anything or they were mad at me. Like, no, that's never happened. It's always happened. Discipline. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so I learned the consequence. I know the limit. And so that's, I applied that in the society. And mm. I tell that my friend was asking me like, whoa, why would your parent do that? I'm like, I love my parents to death. I've never argued with them. Would you say the same thing? I, do you love your parent? Do you argue with your parent? They'll say yes, but like, look at us. Like, we both went through this separate system. Mm-hmm. Today, I love my parent to death. I respect them to death. Do you do that to your parent? No, but so don't question my stuff, man. <laughs> but it's um, and it's interesting, especially like for us, like in in Europe as well, because you have those examples of where. Uh, it's a little bit awkward. Like, for example, like we've all had like white friends come over, and it's just like certain things Timmy said, and I'm looking at Timmy. You can, my mum's not the one to be saying. Man hasn't even backed off his shoes, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walking on the Look. that fresh carpet, bro. Yeah, yeah. Walking on that fresh carpet, or like you know we're having food, and we're like, oh, but like what happened to the fish and chips? And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> and then I know as soon as Timmy's gone, my mum's like, gonna crush you. So Timmy's your friend. <laughs> nah, it's just someone I know at school. So you brought him into this house, and then it, yeah, it, it kicks. Yeah, yeah. So those, those like little moments there, or when you go to what's more fun for me is when I go to Timmy's house and I see oh. Timmy, Timmy doing the madness. He's just like the way, the yeah, way he's, he's just like say say his mom's uh, no, I want it. I say I'm like. And I'm, I'm there, no, no, please, if you wouldn't mind. She's like, oh, you need to be like, Timmy's so polite. No, 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 chicken nuggets at this time. And I'm like, I'm like, Timmy, chill. Like, uh, it's, it's, this, it's this a weird dynamic. What do you guys think you get the most from growing up in an African household? Like, Kimo, you touched on a little bit about, like, discipline. discipline. A, a, discipline. Lot, a lot of respect. Yeah. Okay, speak so, on it, speak on um, it. Yeah, like, uh, I think Stephen, Kimo and others can attest to this, and, and even... And even uh, um, yeah, I think Abby as well probably like a lot of times people be like oh yeah like you know this person is this person is or as in Kwame Stephen um, this person has been has been so much manners he's so polite he is so well he's so been raised well it's because I don't want to say I'm going to say the word it's been it's been drilled into me to be polite and respectful you understand and um, yeah, just like just like the way you hold yourself, the way you say please, the way you say thank you, make sure you 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 always do it to make sure that you're always thinking of others. And I don't know, I mean, maybe Stephen, you can uh, agree with this, but I would I would say respect, and I have respect for elders, yeah. like not just uh, people from my family, anyone older than me, yeah. like just respect. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important one, and I think that's where um, you hear 
a lot of people or like uncles that come over and then if they have an idea to that, do you not know who I am? Mm. Because that comes from like, they're used to being dealt with a level of respect that they're not necessarily, sometimes they're just moving mad and they're just moving mad. But like most, sometimes it just comes from like the way they're being spoken to or challenged here is not how they would be challenged at home. And that's why like respect is really, really important. And a lot of, I'd say a significant amount of arguments that happen come from a perceived lack, lack of, of respect. respect. Yeah, like yeah. if you see, oh, you had it. You had it on the plane to the continent. I, I was yeah. just gonna bring that up. <laughs> Lovely. December, December time, going back home to Nigeria, and you just know the airport. There's going to be a fight at some point. There is going to. It's just guaranteed. As surely as that flight will take off, there will be an argument. And then, like, sure enough, we made it onto the plane. Um, this is one of the last flights, like, in, during COVID time, and nearly got locked off. Mm. And then I'm just hearing. <laughs> I'm just hearing I couldn't tell if it was my mum watching Nollywood on the screen or if I was live <laughs> some sort of theatre production <laughs> I was live there but I just took it out I was like, ah, ah. I said, you don't know who you are. Are you, do you know who you are talking to and she's like I'm talking to a fool and, a and I'm like you're a goat and then this poor woman from Virgin Atlantic is trying to I'm like, I'm like, I'm like sister you want no parts of this <laughs> Just sit in the cabin, let it blow over. She's like, if you could just sit down. Like, what are you talking to? I paid my money and you're telling me to sit down. I paid for your seat. You sit down. And it's just back and forth. And I'm just like, okay, at this point, I was just like, okay, these are going back in. And then I'll zone out. But like, it's so funny how a lot of those situations come from a perceived lack of respect or just, it's very, very important, I would say. I don't know how you see it, Kimo, as well. No, no, I think, yeah, I think respect. Um appreciation for each other and an understanding that you're part um, of a, a bigger system. And I think it stems from that. Like, you know, we talked about like this uh, agricultural mm. system, collective thing. Mm. So you're part of like a bigger system. And for you to try to like disrespect and then act anyway, you that has a negative impact on that thing. So like that, that those are the mindset that's, embedded in that whole way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think especially, I, I always try to extrapolate like the positive in that and then see like in the West, how do we take the positive and then and put a part in our bicultural life here. But yeah, I think that, that human technology, mm -hmm. like just respecting people, just respecting people around you, respecting the system and being like being there for other people that that's what I take out of it. And I think is the West can learn so much more from it. Oh, my mm. God. Like, there's so much more they can learn from it. Mm. Um, and it just becoming the point where our responsibility to learn, like, go back in there and reflect on it and say, like, what does this even mean? Like, why are we doing it? And how can we bring that as a something positive to the system society here? Mm. Because those, are who, those who are born, like, you're born, um, like, of, the African family but here. So you understand more the cultural here. And so someone for me like who was born there and and was giving like half of my life understanding, but also grew up here so I understand. So having this communication, how does that translate? Like I'm having a kid now, they were born here. How do I translate that to them so they understand, so they and they respect the their life here, but also get the best part here and get the best part from African and just so it's like it's part like how do we teach that? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I think it's so interesting because you said something. Um, because I was listening to like the experience that Kwame had, that Stephen had, and that you had. And I didn't experience those moments in my household. So I was raised by a Dutch mom and a Sierra Leonean dad. And my household was literally, uh, my raising was literally mixed. But what I had mostly is that I just got certain value of respecting the earth, the, my environment, the people around me. And because they let me um, like free in the area in Southeast where I grew up so much, which is like, if people don't know it, it's a predominantly uh, black area with mostly people from Suriname, uh, the Antillian Ghana. or Ghana. Um, I literally had the experience that I was raised, raised. <laughs> that wasn't Dutch kicking in. No, stop. <laughs> no, that I was raised by the, by my environment, like my direct environment. It takes a village a to village. raise a, a child, yes. and that that that's so same values of like respect and how you talk, put your shoes off. That's what I learned from. Like the mothers of my friends or like teachers, yeah. you don't talk back. Mm -hmm. I had to learn it the hard way, mm -hmm. but <laughs> uh -huh. that's how that's how I learned uh, those values. And then from a young age, my parents brought me to uh, like Sierra Leone and Gambia, just yeah, uh, West Africa. And then you also, yeah, you also see it there. So for me, it was like. I don't know. I got the platform at home and the values and my environment also really formed me mm -hmm. where I grew up and the parents of my friends and aunties and uncles. I was going to ask, how old were you when you first went back? Because I think that's really important because I think that I was born in Nigeria, but then since then I was going back regularly mm -hmm. when I was young and I think that's really important. So yeah. I'm just curious that like, when... When were you going also when you were younger? Yeah, so my sister lives in Gambia. Yeah. I have an older sister from my dad's side. And so the first time we went was when I was six, I think. Okay. And after that, the second time I was 12. Mm -hmm. And now I try to go more regularly because six. I just would like to be there more. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would like to have certain months here, certain months there. But I think it's just so important to, like, indeed, uh, not only tell your child about certain things, but just show them. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, experiencing something just does so much for someone. Massive. Because even what I was talking about, the smell, the second time I went in, when I was 12, I remembered it. I mm -hmm. remembered certain things from Gambia. And you're like, oh, hey, this was like this. Mm -hmm. Or like certain things that my dad brought home as in food. So it just does so much, I feel, for your identity as mm -hmm. especially a biracial person mm -hmm. um, to develop that. Because you're not fully there. That Because when I go there, a lot of people call me Ampoto, <laughs> which means white person. Yep. <laughs> yep. And here it's like, depending on... The kind of people I'm with, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, you're yeah. also something else. So I think it, it was a very important thing that my parents just mm -hmm. showed showed me both yeah. worlds, not yeah. told me about, but just showed me. And there's, there's no yeah. substitute for that. There's no, facts. Uh, I want to switch up to one topic that 
annoys me because I don't think people understand. But when in the Western world, when they talk about Africa, it's always through the like the lens of poverty and like. But when I go there, I yes, there is, but there's poverty everywhere. But like, um, I I feel like there's so many rich experiences and yeah. things there, and I I hate the assumption that, um, like the Western world has. Like this is the template of it's, success. It's, and it's, I'm like, it's, it's the utopia of humans, almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. This is a version which works here, but there's another yeah. life here because there's conversations I have with people. And I'm like, oh, man, if you, I only took you to places in Nigeria, you, you do not see them in yeah. in, in London. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, just, you, you know, like you guys saw a little bit of it when I when I <laughs> when I went back in December. Like it was just like, was like a different, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a different life. And like I think like even Ankita when she was talking about India, she was just like she was talking about like back home. She has people that would come in and you know clean her clean her apartment. You know the lifestyle there different. is different. Like and that's one of the struggles when you're coming from there to here is just like the lifestyle, like to your point about that independence of having to do things like my, my cousins, I, I was living there. Like by the time I wake up, everything is done. Someone is coming to do everything. Someone is coming to bring the dry cleaning and it's like, okay, I haven't got money. It's okay. Okay. So I'll come back tomorrow. I'm like, if I'm telling the phone company, I ain't got the peas to yeah, pay yeah, right trust now. Me. They're not yeah. saying I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> so like, you know what? Do you know what I'll say? I think, Europe is getting better. I think when I was, we all know this, innit? Like when we grew up in London, like our age in the playground, you get mocked for being African. Yeah, yeah, really did. Like to a degree, even me, because I have an African name, people would make fun of it. But then you get used to it after a while. But I think because of the influences, let's look at, let's say, uh, London or France, there's huge, huge African influences, right? So I think Europe is getting better. Where I think there's big room for improvement is America. You know, you have this term African-Americans. Even sometimes you might watch a comedy show and like a black American man or woman is just mocking is, yeah, Africa. Yeah, like yeah, there's this yeah. generic accent that yeah, they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think Europe is becoming a bit, a bit more connected due to the influence of the people that live there. But I think America is still very far behind in terms of being influenced by this culture. Person, personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, ugh, man, I can speak to that so much. That, this is why I love using the term bicultural. Um, but I think that's a good point. If you go back, I, before slavery, right, um, 500 years ago, we, we it was African. You know, we are all on the continent before we got, you know, ancestors got stolen and brought. So if you look at 500 years in the history of a human, like in human history, it's like yesterday. It's not even yesterday. It's like an hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because how long human history has been? How many thousands of years? So 500 years is like yesterday. Yeah, so not too long ago, we are all, we are all ancestors. So we're all on the continent. So like keep that in mind. And But when people... <laughs> was stolen and shipped and then they this separation happened it, it there's a systematic way to make sure like they f stay separated and even on the continent there was like a system put in place you know divided to conquer and all these things was put in place to make sure people stay separate because the more divided we are um the less powerful we are and so you you keep that in mind and you bring, that's never been a change. And it's like the system has changed to adapt to make sure that same thing is kept in place. And you bring that all the way to today, never changed. So like African-American feel like an African, like a Caribbean feel like, you know, they're, they're not African. And, and so why? Because 
if you stole the African history, African tradition, and then you completely erase it, and then you replace it by the worst image possible, mm. and we didn't have a tradition. So if you're not African-American, you don't want to be African. So that was the thing, the whole, that was the narrative. And then you add to that, like, well, you were stolen from Africa, and then African didn't do anything to help you. And so, like, you pissed off at them, like, you know. So that's all that. That's, that's the history, yeah, yeah. why this, like, feel separated. But, like, coming back to now, the past 10 years, there's been this movement that's been happening. It's, like, amazing, like, the change the social change, like Afrobeat, for instance, right? Yeah. So people feel proud to like hear that. And so like that, the art and the music is like accepted globally now. So now it's cool to be African mm. in a way. And then- what, Sorry but, to cut you. What yeah. do you think was the, the switch? Because there, let's, like, we all know there was a time where for a very long time, it wasn't cool to be African. Yeah. And then it kind of like, not overnight, but it just kind of went boop. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, we're cool now. There's, yeah. been a, there's been a couple. What of do you think? Moments. What like some of the catalysts? Yeah. So like, there was well, some of the point because I've been like studying this, and this is like the fundament, like the foundation of Omec, like the bicultural identity. That's like, and so from my perspective, you guys can add it to that. It, it wasn't even like ten years ago. It was different, mm. right? And I think um, because there's been this concept of Pan Africanism that's not new. There's been this concept of Pan-Africanism for the longest time. It's been. Can you explain what that is for people? Who yeah. So know. basically, the the idea for Pan-Africanism is saying we all African, African American, like we all African. Let's come together. Let's like go back and then figure out what you know. So that African Americans say like we African, African, contemporary African, we African Caribbean. So like let all come together and trying to figure it out. Yeah. So that's the concept of Pan-Africanism, right? That has existed. But the resistance against it was like so strong. And the narrative that's put there that the African continent is like so savage. So they were like really against this like huge resistance, yeah, yeah, yeah. social resistance and all kind of resistance, right? And so like these are the hard part. And now like this younger generation that's like even I was saying 10 years ago, and but when Wakanda happened, like to make it really, really recent, Wakanda kind of created something in people's mind, right? Especially the younger generation. And then you add the music to that. It's creating something in young people's minds, like really Africa's not that. You add the technology to it, globalization, you add the social media to it. Mm. So someone in Nigeria sees everything that happened everywhere around the world. Yeah. We see at the same time. Something happened here, we all see at the same time. Yeah. So, right? And so you see the video is like there and they're making this music, but at the same time, they're connecting. So like they're friends and then this, this cross-pollination happening. And so there's a door open. When I was in Guinea, when I was growing up there, it wasn't like, you know, like it wasn't, you couldn't see it. Like mm -hmm. the movie happened by the time you get there. So there's this global technology made it really kind of cut out these middlemen, this barrier, so we can have mm -hmm. access to information. So all these things are happening at the same time now, like really concentrated and really happening really, really fast. And so that, you add that to the younger generation, that's like, no, my experience with my daddy's experience is not the same. I was born here, I'm an African, but I'm a Dutch. So I'm going to occupy any space. I'm going to show up in any space, and mm. I'm not going to put up with this, this yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, this is all happening now. 
um, it's like the most beautiful moment for African. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Genre, you know, African culture, African people, especially for us, bicultural, to create a change that's never done in 500 years. Do you guys you agree? Know? Yeah, no, I think the technological side for sure, but then there's some cultural moments. I think like sport and music played a big role. So I think you, you were speaking earlier about um, the 96 Dream oh. Team. Um, 96 Dream Team? Yeah. Yes. Nigeria. Yeah, I know. Yes. Like, yeah. People think about too much American basketball team. Oh, good. Facts. No, Nigeria and even, have been holding the African flag for two, for so long. And then even um, here in Amsterdam, like... Um, uh, like Kanu, who, I, uh, who I've spoken to like quite a few times, um, I was speaking to him about what it meant to like win the like Champions League here, to the point where I c- I can come here and I say Nigeria, and then people automatically have a fond connection, a positive memory, a positive it? memory. Yeah, that, that really and helps. I was just asking him like, what were you eating when you were over here? And he was just like, because there was no that there was no restaurants, there was no. Nowhere like this. So he was just saying how he was like, kind of like struggling for that or how someone going to Nigeria would have to come and bring him stuff like even like back then. So there was like sport and then even um, music. So I think uh, before WizKid, it was like the Banj was like the yeah. first like artist I remember that actually made that breakthrough in terms of from Africa to like kind of like Western. It's he like was the top a, 10 with Oliver Twist, right? Yeah, yeah Oliver yeah. Twist was like a big moment. And then from there, restaurants, like people like, okay, cool. Got, I've got Afrobeats. I can see um, some African athletes doing well. Okay, cool. I, well, but what am I eating? Yorkshire pudding? Nah, mm. I should start my own restaurant. Yeah. And the restaurant started pop. So it's this like slow kind of um, domino effect, which has just gathered like crazy pace recently with like uh, like films like Wakanda, Black more Panther, artists, yeah. Yeah. Um, clothing as well. Nollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's, that's a really, really big one. Like that whole industry that yeah. people used to mock but it's actually like millions generating oh, like yeah, millions big, big uh, money big money big money as well so i think abby you were going to say something as well no in like i'm sorry i'm getting used to the <laughs> holding a mic but um no i think one thing which is like really important in this all is education because I think the misinformation and the lack of information that a lot of people over the mm. diaspora have is really adding on to the fact that people are still like, maybe don't want to be associated with Africa in general, or it's just a lot of misinformation because I think those movies and uh, a lot of those cultural things happening are just the, such a good way to like make people warm if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. But 
there's so much information that a lot of people do not know, which oh, I think big. will boost the self-confidence yeah. of yes. a lot of yeah. young people also. Yes. Yeah. Like I read some books about uh, civilization in general. Yeah. Civilization itself, it started in the continent of Africa. Mm. In West Africa also, but also in like the East Egypt. And from there on, it got spread and took over. And now the way a lot of people, even African people look at at certain parts of Africa is like a lack of a certain type of civilization. Mm. So I think even small things like that, but, but also more things about the development, the powers, the, the continent itself, like the agriculture. I think if, if, I don't know, especially in this age of fast information, there is a need of like, I don't know how to describe it. Deep information, if that makes sense. Yeah. The it way went. you were t- taught at school, uh, like in the Netherlands, you learn so much about the golden age and just mm-hmm. all those, I forgot their names, but I bet they're still in my brain, like of all those mm-hmm. people, what they did and stuff. So you're just like learn this history. It's and a remix one as well. Like they, they left some information out. Yes, a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I think in America also, yeah. I think the fact that they can mock African people like that is because they just have people, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were not taught. Not only they were not taught, because, but they were taught their own thing. Like yeah. Africa is this savage place. Yeah. yeah. They were like a bunch of animals. No, like animals are better than them. Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah. that's the image. But now, again, this is another part where Africa is getting really cool because historians are discovering the truth. Yeah. Right? And so it's like, yo, there was a civilization here when when Europe was in the dark age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like this system, political yeah. system, mm-hmm. really functional. There was a kingdom there. There was like this pyramids that was built before the Egyptian pyramid by black people. So there's all this history. And you can see my in my voice, right? You can hear my voice. When you know that, the, your people, like... It makes you so proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before it was like, they were savage. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't exist your whole life. When you learn that, it makes you proud. It doesn't matter if you're from, the, if you're contemporary African or classic um, African in the diaspora, that pride. But the system was put in place to remove that. Mm-hmm, of course. So like it, it just colonizing our mind. So yeah. we all, all of our minds still colonize, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not. Because of that. And now we start, like, that's what is extremely important, that awareness within the community to, like, teach people, to, yeah. like, educate people within, like, just have that pride that, no, like, everything that's been told, no, we have a history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do have a history, and here's a history, and we should be proud of it. And now we can build on top of that. And that's happening. Like, for me, I've been, like, the past five years, I've been learning these things. I've been like reading about these things. Like, it's like all these things that's coming out of like, oh, Nigeria had these things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this was like in the dark age yeah, here before yeah, yeah. they went on the continent. Mm-hmm. No, um, so yeah, absolutely, I agree. Now, Kimo, I, I do want to touch into your story, but after touching some of the great um, comments that you lot have just dropped, um, I'd be very important about information. Like, I think so much people take for granted that the the, just the list of um, inventions that we use every day that come from uh, 
like Af- African inventors or black inventors, like I may be wrong, but even something as simple as like the radiator. Mm-hmm. I, I need to check, but I believe I believe so. And then also like yeah, if you made a good point about like back in school, like in in the late nineties and uh, shout out to nine nines and two thousands. And um, but like there was a term in my in my, in my school, and maybe you all heard it, uh, Stephen. If I'm looking at you, there was a term, uh, Jafakan, <laughs> because because <laughs> like in the in the, almost like in the black. Uh, in the Olympics almost, that the Jamaican um, was the most trendy, maybe because of the music or the culture or the sport. So a lot of times you had people that maybe were African descent that would try to say that like they weren't African, they were actually part Jamaican. So people mm. were like, you're Jamaican, you're a liar, right? <laughs> and you and then you, and you and Stephen referred to it like uh, the, the movie Black Panther to me, it was an okay movie, but it was so important because it wasn't a black movie. It was a movie about superheroes. It's made by Marvel, right? So imagine being five years old and like maybe when you were younger, all you could refer to is these white superheroes or, or like or, or action man, right? Like in, in crying this, like only a stone's throw, throw away from this location. Me, me, me and my girlfriend, she took me to this, uh, this, 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 uh, uh, uh was a, uh, they actually showed the film, but Black Black Panther just out just out there on like a, a a massive like projection screen, and people came with their sofas, people came with popcorn, and like black kids will see, oh, like. Killmonger has braids. He can, he looks like me. Do you understand? And like that is so powerful. That is so powerful that you can like you look at something like that on a big screen and be like, oh, this is amazing. And for me, like a grown individual, someone that went to school, someone that has a lot of thoughts, Black Panther was the first time I ever thought, raw. What if Africa, the whole continent, was 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 was, was untapped and it was never taken? Like the amount of resources, the amount of advances, like even Egypt were doing crazy things with the pyramids in terms of how they were living. But the first time ever, I was like, "Oh my gosh! If Africa was kept, if Africa was left alone, it's amazing where the, the whole continent would be." Like even ye- thousands of years ago, they, they were ahead in civilization. Mm. So, like you said, I think um, just entertainment, also education, is so important. Yeah, I think you yeah. have. A- no, I was just going to ask because obviously, I'm I'm learning from you guys' mm-hmm. experiences, and I'm really like just taking it all in. We kind of said that there's been this huge shift of you know being proud to come from Africa and all of the things that have allowed for that to happen. Where do you guys think that's going? Like there's there's clearly been this huge celebration and almost like coming out moment of yeah being from Africa being loud and proud in it yeah yeah like but where where do you guys see it going how do you think we're gonna get there I think if you look at the demographics and because you know I've been actually looking into a lot of this but I think it's by 2050 I think the majority of the working population will be African or African descent and if you look at like, the economics of it that's actually a lot of the um hmm? oh sorry. So a lot of the demographics are actually pointing to like a return uh, to the continent in terms of the working age, um, how many of them will have disposable income. And I think a lot of people forget how much innovation that Kwame was talking about actually comes from uh, Africa as well, mostly purely out of survival. Um, It's not like people just kicking up with something to do or had an idea. It's literally to survive. They need to innovate. And that brings out this generation or this mindset of innovation as well. So I think slowly uh, but surely things are going to return back to the continent. And I think a lot of companies and countries have also realized this. So like, uh, I don't know if you've had it in your country, Kimo, but in Nigeria, like um, the Chinese have been investing in, in Nigeria for like 20, 30 and, and years, garbage, yeah. like yeah. infrastructure. Everywhere. And it was, yeah, yeah, everywhere. But like, and, and 
that was concerning to me because like they'd already spotted where it was going and our own government hadn't clocked on to that. So I hope that they haven't sold again all of the too infra- much. Yeah, yeah. But like eventually things will um swing back just because of the sheer numbers of uh the population that you're seeing this because I think the population has reached a level that now we're going to be the majority is actually the exciting and weird uh, position like what Kwame was alluding to like what if you know that what if moment is actually gonna come and we will be the majority which will be uh, just a weird position and mind-boggling to think about it but I think naturally it will happen and I think naturally you're already talking about people like Ghana did uh, the year of return which was hugely successful those kind of things are slowly stimulating the pendulum shifting the other way but I don't know how you guys see it as well I got so much to say about this. <laughs> I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> oh, you looking at me? Um, so, yeah, where I can see it going is just, just um, more like, uh, more like, like you said, more, more like uh, embracing from people within the community. But I think most importantly, not most importantly, importantly as well, there will be a source of interest and intrigue in people that aren't from the diaspora be like oh africa has this let me learn more about it you understand like you know a, a lot of us uh, a lot of us are fascinated by uh, asia because it has l- layers of culture in terms of art in terms of animation in terms of food but also because it's far away right like it's it's a it's a world apart and I really hope that through music, through um, art, through everything, expression, people be like, oh, wait, let me learn about what's happening in Sierra Leone. Like, it's, it's very possible that somebody, hopefully today, will do a, 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 a Wikipedia search on, 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 on Guinea. Because you're from there, Kimo, you understand? You're the, first, you're the first person from Guinea I've met. You're the first, shout out to you, you're the first ever host <laughs> person from Guinea on Out of Home podcast. But you understand? Like, But like, it's really important. It's like, you know, even though we're in West Africa, we are from different parts of the world. And, diff- and I, think, I, think if, I think basically, the, the, more, the more and more excellence that is shown of Africans and like the Black Diaspora or the black people i think people have more of a first for it like raw let me check like you said abby information is so fast within eight seconds we can find out like five facts about one thing mm-hmm. and i really believe through film through art through food people will be like like and it's not about oh i want to live there i want to go there it's like no that's really cool now i know that and then when their friend speaks about it mm-hmm. they can share with that information you understand so yeah. now i've spoken hopefully there's something that's popped up in your head abby so no but even that that what you said like because I even see like with Ghana for instance the way they're like did the year of return and they're like really investing in especially the I'm talking about the main city uh, Accra it's like really uh, even though because I also heard a lot of people commenting like oh these people only come here to party they might but I think those people also yeah yeah, 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 yeah. then walk on the beach after a night and be like I actually feel good being yeah. in this place. Yeah, and then yeah, they go yeah. home and they're like, maybe I want to see another mm. African country, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it starts. And then you have interest and you just feel the energy. Yeah. And that's where it goes. But I do think that the future is very hopeful. The way that um, young people of this generation are able to put in movement of like literally governments by uh, coming together slowly, 
especially online through social media. So I think because, of course, it differs within every country. But for instance, with Sierra Leone, I talked about the many positive things that the country brings me and it has. But we need a demonstration here. But like, you know, action, just more action, just construction, constructive uh, development. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... With things like that, I'm just hoping like, okay, I hope that the young generation of several diaspora things like, yo, let me go to there and see what I can add mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. where I can help. I, I, I think that's coming. It's coming definitely in like Ghana and Nigeria, but those are like the hot spots and the cool spots. But I think a lot of people will see those opportunities and hopefully will be uh, entrepreneurial and just see, oh, I can go to Sierra Leone. Oh, I can go to like, what do you call it, Papua New Guinea? Great name, by the way. And I must say, I made a mistake earlier about a radiator being invented by a black man. Looked like a very white German man. But, <laughs> but... He looked like he, <laughs> but he might not. But, uh, but uh, no, but the, the, there are some uh, things we use every day that are uh, invented by um, black men. I just checked all black inventors. History.com says that 1923, the... Fr- <laughs> the fr- <laughs> it must be legit. No, no, no. As in like the... As in like the, as in like the what do you call it? History Channel, those people. Um, the, the the free light traffic light was invented by Garrett Morgan in 1923. He was a black inventor. Um, in 1940, F- Frederick McKinley Jones invented um, refrigerated trucks. And my favorite, automatic elevated doors were invented by Alexander Miles in 1887. Everyone I mentioned has been black. These are things that we use every day. You drive, you get a lift, or you use a a, 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 a truck, maybe. Then <laughs> the, 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 those things that come from black people. But before, uh, we, I want to wrap up with Kimo, because um, we're speaking a lot more about in terms of social change and how things could change for uh, Africa going forward. And I think you're part of a... a you're part of a, a, a movement and a, a, a dynamic that is making... Um, Organizational and uh, and professional change in the way people from the diaspora are 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 are, are being able to unleash their culture and their talents and feel comfortable. And can you? Exp- I don't think we have got to it, but it's put now is perfect time. Can you explain a little bit about the work, the great work you've done out of that at Omec, what it means and what your ultimate goal is with your organization? Yeah, yeah. I think this is a perfect way <clears throat> segment to 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 talk about OMEC and then connect to like the future because like OMEC is built to be part of that future, mm-hmm. to be a solution, a realistic solution to that future. So the way I explain OMEC, our goal there is to create a space where it become easy, normal for bicultural, for African descent to connect and collaborate. So, like, how you make collaborate connection and collaboration normal, simple for bicultural of African descent. Sorry, Kimo, you've mentioned bicultural a number of times. Yes. Can you dive into? Don't yes. want to like distract your point, but do you mind? Yes. Um, so, bicultural are a segment of uh, African diaspora who have these two culture, like the word bicultural. So they basically were born or raised in the West. Of African um, family, Western Europe. So yeah, yeah so like, Europe, were, um, yeah, US, yeah, and then exactly. stuff like. So if you take Abby for instance, she was born here of a Ghanaian, you know, dad, right? Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone. dad. Sierra Leone. Uh, sorry, 
Yeah, I'll be hitting but, chemo with the look. It's like, <laughs> like get it, get your facts yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Mister. Um, this Mister. is Mister. this is this is where like I use the African car. I'm um, saying like, yo, we all Africans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ghana, Sierra Leone, Guinea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, literally, when you ask your dad right now, I'm like, it's not. It's part of he's Guinean as well. Yeah. Um, nice so, safe, nice safe, nice safe. Um, so in that way, she's was born here. Mm. You're totally like from here. Mm. But at the same time, you're African. Mm. And so that's a two identity, two culture. So that's a bicultural okay. culture. Okay. And so those are the bicultural identity that I talk about, right? So they belong in both places, mm. and which is a privilege, which is yeah, competitive true. advantage, which is huge. They're actually the feature of the change, the bigger change that's supposed to happen. But we can talk about that. Right. So for us, we're focusing on this segment, which is like a really important segment within the African, bigger African diaspora community, right? Because someone like myself, even though I'm like bicultural in a way, but like our, you know, parents, like they came in here and so like they benefit in these two cultures, but they are now born here. It's like there's that connection level. So that's the bicultural. And so our goal is focusing on this community and making the connection collaboration normal. So the backdrop to that, why, is that by, because they were born here, because they have access to information, because they have access to education, because they have like they 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 understand the culture here, and they also understand that they become the bridge between the continent, between the culture, okay. between the society, oh, yeah. between tradition, like so they it's so key. And what excites me about this community is that they have been on the, like, no one has thought about that. And so they've been, like, blended within the community. The African diaspora, they've been blended there, but their experience is totally different, mm -hmm. right? And so the idea of normalizing it is, like, they all, like, even though the technology has been, like, there's this proliferation of technology, and we're all on social media, right? We, but we can't see each other. We, it's hard for us to find each other, right? You can't go to this like, man, let me figure out what are all the bicultural of African descent in, my, in, the, in the Netherlands living here. It's like, it's hard, mm -hmm. right? True. And so that's uh, the idea. If, if we remove this black box that we are in, it becomes extremely simple for us to find each other, mm -hmm. to connect anytime, then we start talking to each other. Right. Once we start talking, that was our story. Right. Mm, mm, mm. We got connected, so we saw each other. Yeah. What do we do? We had a call. And we collaborated. And now we're we start here, talking right? to yeah. each other. Right. And as we talk to each other, we start building report. We start building that trust, and we're like, "Oh, let's collaborate." And what is happening right now? Yeah. We're having this chat. Right. I brought you to the summit. And so once we start getting there, the sky's the limit. And so for us, that's the linear thinking. So going from connecting, seeing each other, to collaborating, right. Everything in between here, once we get to that point, that's now the solution. And so the way I see us as a bicultural that I was talking about earlier, we are such an important key to the change that's supposed to happen. Like there's never been a generation in the African society, in the African culture, people of African descent, like this generation now. Why? We talked about the social movement that's happening now. That's like never even in the past before, right? That's really exciting. Like everybody, like you, like 
seen you as being around these Africans, right? And so, like, we all Africans. So that's the associate movement, but like, there's also the technology that's happening. So if you, t- I give you a, a quick example. If you take a MLK or Mandela, for instance, there's like a big figure, like really centralized leadership system in their time. They will go and do something. How many people come? Like maybe a million people, mm-hmm. the maximum, or there was a couple of hundred thousand that come in, they can gather at the same time. Mm-hmm. But today you have a young kid sitting at home has like a million followers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. Yeah, like, you have yeah, a young kid have like a two million followers, yeah. 500,000 followers. Imagine if we were to train these people, empower them, give them the leadership, then you have like this decentralized system where you have uh, tons of Mandela's. Tons of like MLKs, right? Think about it that way, right? And now, because we're never gonna have a centralized leadership anymore, we're never gonna have an MLK anymore. It's totally decentralized, which is more powerful. And if you if you give them the awareness that she was talking about, if you give them the education, give them the pride to be an African, understand it, and then give them like this is how you solve the solution, you know, the thing, right? They become part of the solution. And so now I think knowing that our generation become like, it goes from like, oh, how do we do it to like, no, this is our responsibility. Mm. It is not a joke. It's our responsibility because we are at the point Black Lives Matter happened. That become a bigger ingredient for us, right? We are here. You see us. You're going to hear us. This conversation that's happening, how many people is going to hear it, right? They're getting that knowledge. So knowing that we have, knowing the facts that's in the, the environment that we're in, knowing the technology that we have, knowing this is our responsibility, the next step now is like, what are you going to do? What am I going to do, chemo? Like, not the president, nothing. Like, what am I going to do? How, one, how am I part of the problem? And how can I become part of the solution? Because you can't solve something that you don't know. Yeah, facts. So... I need to focus on myself. And for me, that's what I'm like creating Omec. Like I'm quit. I quit my corporate job. I'm going to be part of the solution. But I need to understand first, how am I part of the problem? And what is the problem? And what are the solution? Right? And so now that get us like going forward, we have the potential. The trend already left the station. Like Africa is the future. White people started saying this. They started writing about it. But now we're owning it. We're going to own it. We have to own it. Like, as a bicultural of African descent, first have to be the mindset. We need to, you need to ask yourself, how are you part of the problem? One of the small problems there, we've been told African-American, Caribbean-African, like, we need to remove all the suffix and prefix, right? we African. The sooner we start having that mentality, it's harder. But the sooner we start getting there, because you can contribute to the continent's movement by not even being on the continent. Mm. Like if African-Americans start switching their mindset and saying, I'm an African, that mindset, that shift right there, is the biggest thing that can yeah, happen. That's the biggest thing that can happen to you, to also all of us. So that's the mindset shift first. That's true, man. Instead of just being like Jermaine from New Orleans, like... <laughs> you Jermaine's from Angola. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and so like... Yeah, so that's a part of the solution. And then now it's come, become, it, you bring it to like the concrete, the things that we can do, the realistic thing. We start finding each other. We start like working together. We start plugging in mm-hmm. and we start thinking like, what can we do 
the professional experience that you get from work, plus your you identify what your what does it mean for you to be a bicultural? What are the soft skills that you have there? We talked about the community, you know, like the collective, the community, like all this beautiful thing, cultural, like what if you add that to the skill that you get working from your company? Like the, the, how you move in corporate forward, like take that skill and add that to the African tradition, cultural, the pride like that, collective, that human technology I talked to you about, bridge that together and say like, man, how can I find other people that think like me? Mm. We can do anything we want. Even just little things, chemo, like, um, you know, you're, you're talking about how do we use our jobs, but also, like, how do, on a very base level, how do we use our education? Like, Abby was telling me there's loads of people that can't even afford to go to school in Sierra Leone. So, like, literally everything we experience growing up as a bicultural is a privilege. Like, yes. the fact that we can go to school and get an education yeah. Yeah. Yes. is a privilege. So, yes. how do we use that education and then our jobs and our skill sets that we develop? throughout our lives and bring that back to, you know, Africa, like you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, the way we do that, we start finding each other. Like we have, for me, that's what we build in Omec. That's what normalizing that process become a key forward, like mm-hmm. from Omec. So we contribute in, in our own way, in our own area, in our own land into this massive thing. And so like this is uh, the example of Omec, right? We saw each other, you guys see what we're doing. It's like it's dope, let's plug in. And we're just starting we just beginning. So, like, imagine there's a thousands of people out there. One thing like that, we start seeing it, we start making it happen. And so once we start seeing it, we start plugging in each other's work, we start thinking, we start making it happen. I'll give you a, a simple example. You've seen my excitement being in this place, right? Mm-hmm. The whole time I'm here, I was, like, asking, you know, your dad, right, like, the, uh, how this place is a bicultural thing. Is This is a manifestation of biculturalism, right? So... What if we start thinking like, because this is an African culture, he's spending all his life changing the narrative through his work. What is our responsibility? We have access to companies, to people, yeah. to think that he doesn't. What if our responsibility were to like, you know what, three years from now, he's going to move from this. We're going to put him in a place where this is an African culture. It is our responsibility to put the African culture on the pedestal. Mm, mm. What if that's our job? We can do it. Like mm-hmm. the, the people in this room, we can do it. That's what you talk about, like, how am I part of the problem? Right? Because he had the skill to do it. He has everything. But yeah. the society here doesn't care. They don't create the space for him. Yeah. So, so we, it we, is our responsibility to put that on the pedestal to like, no, you you're supposed to be in an, any other museum like a Disney yeah, thing. Yeah. To, to make that space for him, right? To make that yeah, space for yeah, him. Yeah. And so that's a simple, Shut concrete up. thing that we start contributing to the society. Mm-hmm. Like we start, we, we start thinking that way, how we change. And even the narrative, like what does development mean? You know, like when you go to Africa, we talk about Africa, we live here, right? When you go back home, you just came back like, the happiness that you have, mm. why are we not quantifying that? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we define that ourselves? We say, like, Africa is poor. <laughs> it might be materially, you know, like, from the material perspective, it might be, like, poor, but we can even question that. But from the, you go there, maybe there's no electricity, maybe there's no water. I don't care, right? But I'm there within these people, you know, with these people, the things that I feel, mm-hmm. 
that's huge. What if we had to define happiness development based on that? Why yeah. do we have to like take what is we've been taught? Mm-hmm. So like all these changes, we are we have to make it happen. So I'll close it this way. My mindset. I can talk about this like forever. No, we love it, bro. So we this is it. how I see it. It, it, you understand the, the soccer, so I take the soccer metaphor, <laughs> soccer team, right? Football, football, football team, team, team yeah, yeah. right? You have a, in the team, you have an 11, you have a forward, midfielder, defense, okay. goalie, okay. right? Okay. And so development <laughs> for the country is it that way. It's a team. Yeah. So everybody's part of that team. The government is only part of that team. The government is a defense. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, Everybody from the, from the country, civil society are part of the team, Right? Politicians are part of the team. Um, private sector is a part of the team. And so this is a World Cup that we're playing in. What's happening with the African countries? So you have the you have a Nigerian team, which the government is part of is playing the defense. So there's a goalie, right? Everybody else, the younger generation are sitting on the bench, not even at the bench, are they sitting home and they're screaming at the defense. Mm. How can Nigeria play against Brazil who has all the best players? And but like Nigeria, first of all, like you're not training, but you only have the government. So because everybody's thinking the government is the one that need to move the country forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody as people don't even realize they're part of the team. So they need to play their part. The, the, the bicultural, the diaspora, the, the civil society, the private sector, everybody's like a government, government, government. But they're, they're only defense. If you don't have a midfielder, you're screwed. If you don't have a forward, you know what I'm saying? When you have that mindset... Then you're like, wait. What can I do? What can I do? I Where do I play my role? Mm-hmm. And so like that simple concept, like people need to solve. The country doesn't go forward. The society won't go forward. The continent won't go forward. Our people won't go forward. Into me, chemo, understand like what is my role. Mm. So I'll close it from there. Nice. I think um, like just hearing all the conversations, the thing that sort of sticks in my mind and how I how I see more progression happening is, like, again, I grew up with a lot of African friends, and typically their parents are like, doctor, lawyer. Mm, these, mm. Are your, <laughs> these are your only two yeah, avenues. Yeah, exactly. you know, and you know, I think that is changing slowly, but the one thing that has been a thread throughout this is creativity and storytelling. Mm. And I think what that's done is it's opened up the eyes of so many people. You know, we spoke about music, we spoke about culture. But all of that is being projected through a creative lens. And I think creativity has almost like yes enabled by technology but i think creativity like music art whatever it may be has kind of been the bridge to show how cool africa is yeah and i think we're only going to start seeing more 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 of that like pretty much every week you show us a new nigerian artist abby you're the same like you show us or me like different different african artists and i think that's really gonna keep things moving and it's very much at the infancy of it yeah yeah you know and saying that, do you know what the key differentiator is going to be is the the ownership. So that's why like Nollywood is so important because that was kind of a system that was built there by the people, for the people and for other people. But when you go into like the spaces of music and other things, it's a lot of talent, but like who are their managers and ultimately where does their money go to and what are they, mm. what are they building? So I think that's going to be the key shift that needs to happen. Like everybody knows talent um kind of creativity yes we've got it but it's now going to that like ownership model how are we building stuff for ourselves and i think that's gonna be 
uh, the challenge into Kimo's point. That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Like, okay, cool. How yeah, do we I do? Like, that. even the start of this podcast now is is independent, and that's in a couple of years' time. Maybe we will realize how huge this. Is. Maybe we don't realize how huge this might be for We've us got to matching be matching G wagons, fam. Exactly, Jeez. exactly. But I think yeah, that's the that's the switch. It's like okay, cool. We're not here for your entertainment anymore, and it's like kind of like a okay, cool. Mm. We're we're calling the shots and and building. So I'd love to see that happening, and I feel like we're on our way there. Yes. Maybe slower, but yeah. we're yeah. on our way. Yeah. Yeah. As Gamo yeah. said, the the trainer has left the station, and yes. I'm very excited about the final destination for for out of home and and Omec as well. So yeah. uh, and just in general, the continent of Africa yeah, and how yeah, yeah. you know the diaspora people of um, bicultural identity can also contribute. I want to close off on one thing. I don't know what what happened over there, bro. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's even mad. Um, what is the one word you guys would use to describe Africa before we close off? Limitless. Very nice. Rich. The future. <laughs> Only one. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I just feel like I think just energy. Yeah. Expression. Mm. He wants to close this one off. Do you want to close off? Yes, sir. yeah, but yeah. Since you're the yes. freshest, freshest from the continent. Yeah, he's like a fresh. <laughs> who we, who we been listening to today, Abby? That our whole podcast. That's the, that's the power. That's the power of the mic. You put the mic there and it changes everything. Our whole podcast with me, Abby, Kimo, Kwame, Yaf, and Steven. Shouts out to everyone. This was a dope episode. Yeah, thank you very much. Much love. And thank you, Kimo. This has been a thank you for coming through. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been like amazing, amazing yes, conversation. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Much love, people. Peace. Doi. Hey, you lot. You lot the boys are crazy. Come on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.